Today's scripture reading is from John's Gospel, chapter 11, verses 21 through 27. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. The word of the Lord. Please be seated. Good morning. Thank you for being here this morning. Uh, if you're visiting with us, I'm Mark Juliet, our missions pastor here at Alleluia. And uh, so, so glad that you're here with us. This August, in uh, uh, this month, we are doing a series called Hope at All Times. And if you've been here for some of those, you know uh, that we are, we mean that for one, that we can have hope at all times. No matter what we are experiencing, no matter what we are going through, that there is hope, that God, we can trust in God, and that his hope can sustain us. We have been talking about some pretty intense subjects. Uh, if you've been here, you know that, or um, we've had a lot of uh, response to these as well, uh, really hitting uh, home for a lot of you. We talked about mental illness and depression, for example, and having hope uh, at those times. We talked about times when we're feeling uncertain, uh, uncertain about the future, uncertain about our lives, and so hope in times of uncertainty. Last week, we talked about home, hope when we're feeling disconnected, maybe disconnected from those around us or disconnected from the community. We heard uh, the parable of the the son who goes away and then wastes all of his inheritance and finally returns home. And he's worried about that acceptance and, and then he is welcomed with open arms um, by his father. And so we heard about hope uh, when we're feeling disconnected. Today we talk about a living hope at times of loss. When we hear loss, we, we might immediately think about loss of a loved one. And perhaps you have experienced that in life. Maybe you're going through that experience of loss right now. And you know uh, how difficult, how painful that that experience can be. But there are many forms of loss. And not just loss of a loved one. For example, there's daily loss. When plans change, when you've got, maybe you've got a meal prepared or people coming over and then those plans change and that is a form of loss. Or maybe you've got a daily routine and then something interrupts that and, and then that is a form, a mini form of loss. But there are bigger losses too in life. We experience loss whenever there's a move. Many of you, this is, a, this is a transient society. Maybe many of you have gone through that, maybe multiple times. And so you know that, that loss that comes with the move. 
You're being uprooted from a community, uprooted from maybe family and friends, uprooted from, uh, from what you know, from your home. Uh, just even the, the moving out of a home, maybe it's a home that you've been in for a long time, that is a form of loss. Or there can be loss with our, uh, our, our life's calling, there can be loss with a job, maybe you lo- lose a job. You don't want to, but maybe you're downsized out of that job. Or maybe there's a promotion that moves you up in your position, a good thing, but there's still loss because you won't be working with those coworkers anymore. Maybe some of you are at or approaching retirement, and that can be something to look forward to. But there's also a loss that goes with that, the loss of that of that position, the loss of that way of life, the loss of that daily routine, um, and, and that is a form of loss. The loss of health, of good health. Maybe you, you're, you or a loved one is going through a health difficulty. Maybe there's a terminal illness or, or the loss of some function um, that, that you had previously. And so there's there's loss there as well. This week, my wife and I uh, experienced a big change. We took my youngest son, Andrew, to college. And this was, this is a mixed bag of emotion, right? I mean, there's excitement, there's anticipation, there's anxiety, there's dread, there's all sorts of these things. This cartoon maybe shows it very well, and some of you can identify with that. Pulling the kid off of the tree to get to the first day of school in first grade, and then they're pulling you off of the, uh, you're, you're trying to grab onto them, keep them there uh, that first day of college. My wife and I, had, uh, we've, this has been the, the, the topic of our house and all the focus of a lot of energy as we're just practically getting him ready for this day and then trying to kind of prepare him for this next step. My wife and I have talked, uh, talked about it beforehand and like, we got to hold it together. Come on, we got to hold it together. We can't just blubber uh, at that moment of when we say goodbye because that'd just be embarrassing for one for him and and for us and we just we we just got it we got to do this and yeah it's okay to have some tears but we got to hold it together and then then the day came this was this Wednesday and it was a long day we left the the house at seven in the morning he's going to school up in Milwaukee and we drove him up there and then we got there and there's a of course, the big wait, if you've experienced that, to get your move-in slot. And uh, there, was, there was a waiting area, and so then we waited a long time, but then it was pretty smooth from there. But then we got in late to the, the room. We're moving stuff in. We're helping him unpack, kind of get his stuff straight, meeting the roommates. Uh, we're, we're, we missed lunch. That was a loss. Ate some Triscuits on the way to orientation. Uh, we went to the, the picnic. And then there's the inevitable trip to the department store uh, to pick up the things that now you figure out, well, you need this or this or that. I came back. We put a shelf together. 
it's now getting really late at night, and we're still coming home. And so then came the moment when we had to say goodbye, and we were so exhausted that we just hugged him, said, we love you, see you later. <laughs> Not the moment that we anticipated. Loss and grief that go with it are a natural, unavoidable part of life. Granger Westberg was a, a Lutheran minister in our denomination, the ELCA, and a hospital chaplain who spearheaded, uh, for one, the parish nurse movement. And he pioneered the intersection between faith and medicine in the care of people uh, going through difficult medical situations. He also wrote the book called Good Grief. Has anybody heard of it or read it? Good Grief is uh, a book that contains what you may recognize as the stages of the grieving process. Not to be confused with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's uh, stages of, uh, with death and dying and the acceptance and um, that, those five stages, but this has ten stages of the grieving process. Through this enlightening book, Westberg names and demystifies the normal range of emotions and responses that a person goes through when experiencing loss. Westberg highlights things like shock and loneliness, guilt, anger, blame. These processes are not necessarily linear, although there is a general movement through these uh, different stages, you can still, a person can still bounce around between them, and they do. In today's gospel, for example, uh, we have uh, a lesson here in, in John where a friend of Jesus, Lazarus, has become ill. And we see Lazarus and in particular, his sisters, Mary and Martha, in a number of places throughout uh, the Gospels. And we learn from those different encounters that Mary and Martha and Lazarus are very good friends of Jesus. He would go over there and they would share meals together. They were close friends. And in today's Gospel, before uh, this, the scene that we have, Jesus has learned that Lazarus is very ill, near death. Maybe you've, at some point, had that where you learn about a family member or a friend, somebody that maybe you don't necessarily see often, but you, that you have great love for and that you're, you're close to emotionally. And then you learn that they are very ill. Jesus tarries in going to see Lazarus. A couple days later, he tells the disciples that Lazarus is ill, and that they must go and see him. In fact, he says, Lazarus has fallen asleep. <laughs> Disciples are like, doesn't he have an alarm clock? I mean, come on, he can wake up, right? Why do we have to go and, and wake him up? And then Jesus tells them plainly, no, Lazarus has died. But I am going to go and wake him up. 
Jesus shows up at the scene. And Lazarus' sister, Martha, comes out and meets him. And she says this. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. Martha perhaps is in that stage of, of regret, but of anger, and even blame. Jesus, if you had been here, if you had been here, I, I know what you are capable of. You could have healed my brother, but now he's dead. And yet, in the next phrase, we see Martha express hope and faith. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Then follows this famous interchange between Jesus and Martha. This this back and forth where Jesus is talking about about life and about the resurrection. Asking Martha, do you believe? Yes, I believe that my brother will rise again in the last day. And Jesus then says... I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? This is the hope. This is the living hope that we have when when physical death happens to a loved one, or when we ourselves are approaching that, that in Christ we have life now and forever with God. That is our living hope. Martha then fetches her sister Mary, comes out to meet Jesus, and he, she comes out to meet Jesus as well. And Mary says the same thing as her sister. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, up until now, we don't have any indication of the emotions that Jesus is feeling. We can infer it, but we don't have any any written uh, expression of the emotions that Jesus is going through. And so we we may think Jesus is just kind of holding it together, that he's in this stoic state of being, and that if he's in that, that state of being, then that is a way to handle it as a person of faith. We may be tempted to think keeping it together shows strength of character and of faith. We've all seen uh, at times of loss, maybe you've gone through a receiving line and, and you greet the family of the person who's deceased and and you see, wow, they're just, they're, they're so strong and they're holding it together. But as Westberg talks about, no, there's other things going on there. Shock or adrenaline or that. They're just, they're, or, or just seeing everybody. And so that's not a good indication necessarily of what's going on for that person. Westberg points to a certain 
Stoicism that has infiltrated our time and culture and even comes to be admired by Christians and who point to a scripture passage that says, grieve not. Grieve not. Have you ever heard that? 1 Thessalonians 4.13. But Westberg says, you got to read on. Because it doesn't just say, grieve not. It says, grieve not as those who have no hope. Westberg says, there should really be a comma there. In that sentence. So that it says, grieve, comma, not as those who have no hope. In other words, grieve, be sad, express it. That is a part of being human and that is a part of being a person of faith. To grieve, to to cry, to show emotion, to, to show doubt, to show whatever it is you're going through. Do that. But not as someone who has no hope. You have faith. And so you can grieve in a different way. Though in today's gospel story, we haven't seen any significant emotion coming from Jesus. It goes on to say, when Jesus saw her weeping, that is Mary, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and he was troubled. He asked, where have you laid him? And they replied, come and see. Then comes the shortest and perhaps most powerful phrase in Scripture. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Jesus, God's Son. Jesus, the Word made flesh through whom all things came into being. Jesus, who said of himself, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus, who was one with God. Jesus, who knew what was about to happen. Who knew that he was about to raise Lazarus back from the dead. Jesus wept. Overcome by the moment. Overcome by the emotion. Overcome. By grief. You know, everyone responds to loss differently. Some are very emotional about it and not afraid to show that. Others may weep privately or internally. Many people lie somewhere in between those two. We all process grief differently. But, We must all process our grief in order not to be bound by it. Westberg likens grief to flying in a jet during a storm. Anybody taken off in a jet when there's like uh, storms around and yeah, thunderclouds and lightning? It's a scary thing. I mean, if you can get clearance to take off, because they don't take off if it's really bad, But if you can get clearance to take off, 
mean, there's the dark skies around. Maybe the wind is blowing. There's some rain coming down. Maybe there's even lightning. And you take off, and almost immediately you're up into the clouds. And, and you start to climb. And, and the, the wind is blowing, and there's rain going uh, against the, the plane. And then it's a bumpy ride. Anybody been in a plane with some significant turbulence? That's a scary thing, right? You're grabbing onto the, the person next to you, you're hugging one another, and then you realize, I don't even know this person. It's a scary, bumpy ride. And you keep climbing. And it just doesn't seem like you're going to get out of it. And it just seems to get darker and the lightning's flashing around you. And then a glimpse of light comes through. And then a little bit more. And then all of a sudden, you're up above those storm clouds. And down below you, you can see that it's... it's this terrible storm and there's, there's the dark clouds and they're billowing. But up here, the sun is shining and, it, and it's, there's a strange beauty to it. And, and that storm is still there. It doesn't go away. But now you're, you're in the light. And you have a different perspective on it. You have hope. You have hope. Why does Westberg call it good grief? He gives a few reasons. First, we come out of our grief experience at a slightly higher level of maturity than before. We, we have a different perspective on things. Doesn't make what we've experienced go away. Doesn't change what has happened. We have a different perspective on it. Two, we come out of our grief as deeper persons because we have been down in the depths of despair and we know what it's like. Three, we come out of it stronger for we have had to learn how to use our spiritual muscles to climb those rugged mountain trails. And four, we come out of it better able to help others. We ourselves have walked through the, the shadow of grief. And we can understand. Loss is a natural part of our human experience. But what is also natural is to struggle with it. If you're struggling, if you're struggling with some sort of loss, whether loss of a loved one or, or loss of a way of life or loss uh, of things that you could do before, I want to encourage you to, to share that with others. If you are, you know what a blessing that can be, especially when it's people that love you and care about you, people that maybe have some experience within that. You know what a relief that can be to just walk with others through that. And then they won't be able to take the pain away. But they'll be able to walk in the pain with you. 
We have a, a grief share group that we're going to be beginning to offer. And so if you, if you want to take advantage of that, uh, talk to Pastor Tammy to express interest in the grief share group. Or get together with uh, others here at church, or if you have a small group, or, or share with family and friends. But, but grief is something, it's personal, and yet it's something that can be shared with others. You don't have to broadcast it, but just to have somebody to share that with can be great help. 1 Peter 1, 3-4 reminds us that we have a living hope when facing loss. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, never spoil." never fade. Let's pray. Creator God, author of life. Lord, in this life we inevitably experience loss. Some comes daily, some comes in in small forms, but some is big. Sometimes loss can overwhelm us. Lord, at those times, help us to know that you are there with us. Help us to be able to walk with someone, with, with uh, those that we love, those that we trust through that. Lord, help us to grow through those experiences of loss. And when we're in the midst of that, when we're, when we're climbing through that storm, when there's darkness around, when the, the, there's that turbulence, Lord, help us to cling to you. Lord, help us to know that the things that we are going through and what we feel are normal, and they're a part of that process. But Lord, help us to reach that place where we can again see the light of hope streaming through and help us to gain perspective on what we have experienced. Lord, and through that, may we be able to walk with others and let them know about the living hope that has helped us in our loss. Lord, we give thanks to you for the life that we have, the promise that we have, and the living hope that we have through your son, Jesus, who came to bring us life in abundance. For it is in his name that we pray. Amen.